So, Ruth, that was some film last night. <laughs> I said I wanted to say that we watched this really, really good film, and that's why if it comes up in conversation, then we'll, we'll talk about it. That's how you talk in mm, my head. Well, it's uh, come up in conversation. <laughs> By you just blatantly mentioning it. It was, but it was a... It, it's it so, was a film called Land of Mine. Mm, but it, was, it was a Danish-German Danish film. film. Yeah, fantastic film. Uh, and how you recommend it to you, if you're looking for a movie to watch, it's on the Sky. It's uh, a real three, laugh a minute as well. £3.49, it's not a laugh a minute. No, it's set in 1945. It's a, an aspect of the war that you never see in uh, movies. This is when the Germans had been occupying Denmark for five years and then after In the war this is Yes, it's, it's, it's start, it starts in 1945. You see very few war films that are set in 1945 uh, and uh, they bring these uh, German soldiers who, because at that stage of the war they were just conscripting uh, kids, they're like 15, 16 years old and they have to clear all the beaches uh, of The land- west coast of Denmark. Mm, of landmines and uh, it's just a brilliant film. I was looking at some of the comments underneath the uh, trailers mm. and there was one which I'm guessing was from a, a teenage girl who put wow German boys are so cute which <laughs> <laughs> wasn't really the point of the movie not the point it? but German boys are cute <laughs> they were very Hitler youth well, not, in, not in that they were, they were good people but they looked yes. Hitler youth is how I would describe their look Yes, yes, it was Hitler Youth Chic, really. But it, it's a great, great movie. It's all about uh, retribution and revenge. And, and like uh, how the Germans, apart from the, the people who were like in concentration camps and stuff like that, actually they were just the same as people who went to war in England mm. and it wasn't their fault. And Well, they really, I mean, that, that has been a theme in movies in the yeah, past. Yeah, yeah, but know, like, like... All Quiet on the Western Front as one. That's a famous one that has that theme that yeah. you know, we're all just people. But Land of Man, if you're looking for a movie, brilliant, brilliant. And as I say, it's on Sky. And it'll be the best £3.49 you you ever spend, because it's engrossing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this Oscar film really needed us to plug it. <laughs> well, it was a really good film. And it did win the Oscar in, I think, 2017 for Best Foreign Language Feature, which is never... That's never the Oscar that takes the headlines. Mm. You know, like... Um, was it the artist or the pianist? The was? artist. That was that foreign language, wasn't it? Well, no, it was no, it was silent, and oh. it, that won the Oscar for the best movie. Yeah, that yeah. was the best movie. Let me see if I can interest you in any of these Tim Vine jokes here. I was in the army once, and the sergeant said to me, "What does surrender mean?" And I said, "I give up." <laughs> this bloke said to me, "I'm going to attack you with the neck of a guitar," and I said, "Is that a threat?" I think those are quite good. Oh, they are. I oh, quite good. enjoyed those. Good. Well, there's a tribute to Tim Vine. Let's get going. I started talking about uh, sitcoms, and there's two things about sitcoms. One is sitcoms generally. There was a feature in the Times, and it's a woman called Martha Gill who strikes me as fairly, fairly young. Martha Gill says, uh, what makes sitcoms so comforting? She says, it can't be that they're funny. I've watched my way through How I Met Your Mother, which is humourless. Um, I think it's humourless. Well, but there are a whole, there's a whole genre of sitcoms, like How I Met Your Mother, Everybody Loves Raymond. And they I've all never look, watched Everybody Loves Raymond. Well, they all look more or less the same. Yeah, Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. They've got the, the, they're sort of set up the same way, the studio audience, they look the same, they're sort yeah. of dubbed on laughter here and there. 
and you watch them and as she says they're quite comforting yeah but not particularly funny i think that's fair about how i met your mother like it's it's not it's not not funny like you don't sit there and like oh god this is crap like they're making these jokes and they're Mm. not funny at all but it's not like laugh out loud funny the way that a comedian would be but mm. it is it's nice to have them there <laughs> well yeah but i mean I, and i would include friends in that category although friends is funnier than how i met your mother though. yes it Much is funnier but, but what i'm saying is apart from the you know there will be one two three laugh out loud jokes in friends or jokes that you would do you know, per episode no, in the whole uh, you're saying this, Friends. You're saying in ten seasons there's three funny jerks. About that. I might be underestimating it. But you know what I mean? There are funny but Friends will make me fully like laugh out loud. There are funny moments in Friends. But How I Met Your Mother, Everybody Loves Raymond, I could think of dozens of others, and especially British sitcoms as well. There was a whole pile of British sitcoms, especially ones that came out in the 70s and 80s. British sitcoms but, are, by and large, pretty poor. Like, the ones that they try to do to be similar to How I Met Your Mother and Friends and stuff are quite weak. Like, the ones that they do that are kind of modern, like, friends hanging out, are not as good as the American ones. No, I'd agree with you, but obviously there are some British sitcoms that are classics, like... Faulty Towers. Towers. For instance. I've never seen it. No, Faulty Towers. For You you really must watch it sometime. Oh, I just can't be bothered. Where do I even find it? Gold... It's not even on the TV, I don't yes, think. Yes, it's on Gold, and it's occasionally on one or two of the other channels. Is it, is it nine episodes? Is that how many it is or something? Uh, Twelve. Twelve? It's in Dolly Alderson's book, I've said this before, and she goes, how do people get the legwork out of it? How do you mean the legwork? Like, you talk about it, people talk about it so much, there's only twelve episodes. But they were so good, they were all, they were all brilliant. Anyway. Well, something else that's only got twelve episodes... Fleabag? Fleabag would be a classic British sitcom, but it's not as funny as everybody said. It's not it's funny. Not, it is funny, but it's not like... It's, like, mild, mild it's just a different type of humour. Mm. It's not the funny in the way that Seinfeld's funny, and I don't think it ever, pre- it ever pretends to be funny in the way that something like Seinfeld is funny. I mean, I've not seen Faulty Towers, but it's not funny... It doesn't try to be funny like Faulty Towers does, I don't think, either. No, it's well, I agree with you. It's the modern trend for comedies that aren't funny. So dark comedies. D- sort of darkish comedies. Does a much like, better job of being a dark comedy than that Rich- Ricky Gervais one there. Well, no, I, I, I would say pretty... I would compare the two. I, have you seen Afterlife? I've seen. I've not seen all of it. I didn't think no. it was good, very good, to be honest. See, I started watching it. Because I, I, I thought that was full... I thought that the turn was weird. I thought it was fully off. And I didn't find loads of the bits that were meant to be funny in that. Like, the stuff that's meant to be kind of funny in Fleabag is genuinely funny. Like, even if you're not, like, laughing out loud. But the stuff in that Ricky Gervais one that was meant to be funny was... I thought it was really, like, mm. off. I didn't like it at all. Like, that bit with that ginger kid. Hmm. I started watching it and thinking, this is not very funny, no jokes in this. But then watched the whole thing through. Have you actually I, watched Fleabag, I've, though? I've watched four episodes of Fleabag. You now. can't judge it if you've only watched four episodes. Just no, finish it. No, you don't need to. If it's a sitcom, you should be able to dip in at any time. But I don't you think it's a, a no, classic it's, sitcom in the way that other no. sitcoms have been. See, I watched. My, my brother says it was good. He liked it. And he said, well, you must watch Fleabag. So I watched the episode that he had, which was one from series two. And then he he said to me, "Oh, you must watch it from the start." Yeah, and nobody used to say that about. Dad. No, because it's not the sa- it's not the same as Dad's Army or Porridge or any of but those. But it's not. Sitcoms. It's not. 
you know it's not the same it's not even the same style you've decided you don't like it based on the category it's put in being put into i can't see why it's been so wildly praised but do you also think though that it's been so wildly praised within your circle and the type of people you follow on twitter and stuff because i think that's one of the things it's it's um what do they call it the echo chamber of like Mm. twitter and stuff is that you happen to follow like in my circle and stuff and the people who i follow like yeah there's been a bit of talk about it but it's mostly only because of the people that you would will follow and like my older siblings it's really not had so is it school not watch it some do but it's not as not as massive as it is amongst people who are working in journalism and stuff like that and also it's been really egged up in like newspapers and like modern media which is why i think that you think it's a you think it's so overhyped Good point, actually. It's sort of the... Uh, Full of them. <laughs> that is a good point. It's the waitrose of sitcoms, isn't it, in a way? The, I also wouldn't call it a sitcom. Uh, well, it's the waitrose of half-hour black comedy dramas. But let's call it a sitcom for the basis of this argument. OK. What, what she says, Martha Gill, very, very wisely, I think, is the thing about sitcoms is they're about failure. Basically, there is a character in every sitcom... They're about, you know, even friends. Even well, friends, friends the, the theme tune. Your life's a jerk, you're broke, your love life's DOA. Do you know what I mean? That's the whole... Mm, yeah, so they're premise. about failure. And she says, our culture doesn't give us many ways to talk about failure, at least not while it's happening, when talking about it might be useful. Later, when wildly su- successful, then you talk about your failures, you know. Uh, but they're not failures, they're a stepping stone to success, a profoundly important experience. And she's talking about specifically graduation day speeches at American universities. She said they're rich pickings for this sort of thing. And people go on, you know, people like Conan O'Brien, for instance, who's now a very successful uh, talk show host, and he was giving a speech at Dartmouth College in New Hampshire um, about not fearing failure, and illustrates it with this story of how he failed to become the host of The Tonight Show, and that setback taught him that through disappointment you can gain clarity, and with clarity comes conviction and true originality. But he's not really talking about failure. What he's talking about is it's success. Is success. Yeah. And People it, love to was, tell a failure is a funny story. Yes. On A-level results day, social media is full of people writing encouraging boasts for the benefit of nervous mm. teenagers in the vein of, I, hate this. I got two E's and look at me now. Yeah, Jeremy Clarkson does that literally every time there's a results day. Does he? He says, oh, well, I only got an E and an F and one U and look where I've turned out. But the vast majority of people who do terrible in exams have to reset exams. Yeah, absolutely. By dint of simple statistics, she says, and this is why we love sitcoms, by dint of simple statistics, most struggling entrepreneurs won't become Bill Gates. Most novelists won't become bestsellers. Most singers teased for their ambition will never, in fact, be famous. Oh, can I also, can I offer up another reason why I think that people like sitcoms so much? Mm. I think it's the background TV thing. So How I Met Your Mother, not that funny, but the characters are nice to listen to and it's nice to have them on in the background. And I think it's because, especially the modern ones, we live in a world where people are increasingly lonely, I think. In a way, it's not really sad to say that people find, think that sitcom characters are sort of like their friends and it's nice to have them on in the background so you like, feel less alone. But they're not your friends. No. They're not your friends at all. They might be called cool friends. And uh, cheers. You know, everybody knows you, nobody knows your name. Uh, so it's no, but I think that I think that it, like with social media and stuff, I think that people have less and less real relationships, and they 
because you can talk to people without actually using your voice a lot and actually mm-hmm. hearing people, you end up but having surely that's stuff not up. teenagers, you know. I, no, not just I teenagers. Well, no, well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, old people will switch on the telly for company, but teenagers mm. have got lots of company. You've, you know, you're at school or you're at college or you're at but work. You like, have loads of company. You don't need that for. I mean, that's sad if you think that's right for teenagers. I think it, it is. Yeah, people have stuff in the background all the time, but I think that's because we fill. We fill every void. We're in, we live in a world where even, like, you're never just alone with a book or anything. You want noise and stuff all the time. You said before that you thought that, the, the um, like, a modern world ever gives us very little opportunities to talk about disappointment. But wouldn't you say with Twitter that that's really changed? Like, people are always tweeting about stupid stuff they do or, like, that are like, oh, I've just been broken up with. Like, don't you think more than ever people are talking about the, like, bad stuff? No, I think less. I think people would put, put stuff on... I, I think what we're talking about there is the sort of humble brag type thing. People will put stuff on Twitter saying, oh, look at me, aren't I stupid? Such and such a thing happened. I don't think people will talk about genuine failure on Twitter or even on Facebook. Facebook, they put... Facebook more so. But on Facebook, they put stuff uh, about how, you know, my mother's died and what a wonderful woman my mother was, that sort of thing. No, but that's not, that's not the kind of disappointment I'm talking about. I mean, like, people are always putting on, like, oh, I sent this sent this email by accident or this guy didn't reply to me like people are always telling those types of stories more than ever now don't you think well they're telling those types of stories a... but not as a, as, a, as a sort of failure thing more as a, what they put on twitch is oh look at i mean me walking into the uh, clear plastic yesterday that's the sort of thing i'd put on yeah twitter. i know so that's what i mean yes, is that I, not well no that's sort of like uh, you know look at me i'm still here sort of thing is right. is that I, I, rather than you know talking about failure more talking about stupid things rather than failure I think right okay more, more sort of jokey i would have said tell me about coachella because you've talked a bit about uh, coachella and there was a there was a fashion piece uh in the in one of the papers festival fashion it used to mean hunter wallies denim hot pants and a level of polish commensurate with living out of a tent for three days and washing only with wet wipes mm. that was bc before coachella so obviously coachella has uh, sort of upped the game as far as festival coachella is absolutely crazy and people plan their coachella outfits or whatever for like months in advance and have personal stylists and everything um i thought well, I'd tell, show us, you... tell us first what coachella is oh, coachella is a festival mm. in palm springs right. um where lots of rich americans go to it's very very expensive and lots of brands go to it and who plays it, that it's is as it? as you would imagine it to be yeah um everyone so this year beyonce was there and oh has it been uh, oh yeah, yeah it's been and gone and ariana grande and anyone who's anyone Billie Eilish was there I think it's a hot house for bloggers and vloggers and they're all wearing like ridiculous clothes and taking instagrams on youtube people post videos of like my my three-day Coachella prep experience like intense experience and whatever this guy called him I was going to try and show you outfits here I've found them now it's like Justin Bieber was there there's a video of Justin Bieber, Billie Eilish, and James Corden like dancing. Like it's just it's just loads of celebrities. Right. Uh, but then it's also like but if um, you brands, to go as a real person, fly how much people would it, out there. How much does it cost you to go there? 
I'm not. Was it a lot of money? I'm not. I, you can't even find. I can't even find where they put ticket prices and stuff. Loads and loads. But I think the point is that like barely anyone pays for their own ticket. I don't think because you get taken by like brands. So these are like influ- influencers. Yeah. So have you heard of a guy called James Charles? No. He's a makeup artist on a YouTube. He's like really, really famous. Oh, I think you might have mentioned it before, or we've done a bit about him before. I think. Maybe he. Maybe we have because he was the face of some makeup brand I think maybe mm-hmm. I don't I don't quite know anyway this is what he wore to Coachella it's like absolutely mad people wear the most ridiculous stuff yeah have like stylists will style them for the week or whatever it's unbelievable but also Coachella so Coachella is owned by a guy who funds anti-LGBT like stuff oh, yeah. so some people have like boycotted it or whatever but there's also like a lot of gay people who go and stuff and so, oh, I said and stuff again. There's a lot of gay people who go, and they've faced a lot of backlash this year. People saying, you know, you shouldn't be supporting. You shouldn't be going because the guy, uh, he, he's yeah. a religious guy then, but I assume. Yeah, yeah. I, he, he, he gives money to anti-LGBT events and stuff like mm. that, but also earns Coachella. Should we do some of the emails, Ruth? Yeah, okay then. Yeah, well, absolute bumper bundle of emails this week because. Uh, bumper bundle. Bumper bundle. That's what you sang the radio. Just means we got a lot. It's because uh, we were off last week. Yeah, uh, through, my fault. Through illness. Um, yeah, they're still there. There you uh, go. Now, there you go, it's proof. Um, we were off last week through illness. <laughs> Now, uh, Claire Turner writes to us, and she says, Hi, Martin Ruth, my name is Claire. And I'm, hi, Claire. Hi, Claire. And I'm 27, which might come as a bit That's of a like shock... That's like what they do at Alcohol's Anonymous. <laughs> which might come as a bit of a shock to Ruth, as I'm neither male nor middle-aged. Um, <laughs> I'm currently going through all your podcasts, which I love, BTW. Brackets, by the way, in case Martin wasn't sure, thank you. She says, I listen to your podcast on my long journey to work each morning, and I'm actually going back in time starting from the end and i'm now on episode 23 i have no idea where you know because we did a we're on two. episode 18 of season two and there was 32 in season one no we're way beyond that now we are beyond that are you um, sure yeah absolutely positive because uh, i needed to we've done about 55 now maybe 55 maybe 56 altogether yeah so if we did 32 plus 18 that's 50 we've done about five or six more than oh that. Never mind. It's <laughs> good job you're not doing maths at university. I would like to say how shocked I was to hear Martin say uh, it was wrong for an adult to read Harry Potter. I'm sticking to that. I, yeah, I can't I, believe you say that. I love to read and believe any book that encourages adults and children alike to read is a great book. Most, I agree. Most of my friends don't read but have read Harry Potter. However, I do wonder if this is a background thing, uh, not reading rather than reading Harry Potter, as I'm from more of a working class background so she's saying harry potter more for work i don't know no but i think harry potter is one of those things that is good because everyone reads it even if even if they're not into books and find books intimidating you still read harry potter which is good the reason i don't think alice should read harry potter is there are so many books to we're saying this the other day yeah i know but there's so many books to read why would you pick harry potter because because people some you forget that you're you're in a very 
privileged position to feel very comfortable in going into a bookshop and picking up whatever book you want to read but some people genuinely feel really intimidated by books yeah but there are there are books that are just as just no, as but it's not about that it's because a lot of people haven't heard of the other books or, and they don't feel comfortable exploring what other books are like but if you've heard of harry potter and you've heard oh people love harry potter i can read that and then hopefully that's a it's a gateway book Okay. <laughs> she says, I find your podcast interesting and educational. I may even makes me feel super uneducated. You see, actually, you, you're parading your knowledge. She says... I'm not, it's, uh, just, it's just half an hour. It's very condensed. <laughs> she says, I'm normally more in favour of um, my music than Ruth's music. But you've both put some great songs up, and she loves it, so that's great. That's nice. Um, Brian Long, this is interesting. I know you've ever heard of vegan gardening. Have you heard of vegan gardening? Have you? No. No. I don't know why I'm out of the haven't. <laughs> he says... Oh, I was just in another Well, he's one. an old chum, Brian. Just, yeah, I know. That's yeah. why I was gonna, about to be like, Brian Long's your friend, right? He is. But he did. But he's written to us as well. Um, You're not meant to say that, are you? That well, he says... <laughs> we've got a, a bumper full of emails, but four of them are from my mum. <laughs> yeah. Vegan gardening entails avoiding putting anything on your garden, uh, whether you're growing fruit and veg or flowers, that may contain animal byproducts. That includes the obvious stuff such as blood, fish and bone and bone meal, ground eggshells. All these things are in, you know, fertilisers and stuff. That I can understand. But they even suggest that the use of horse manure be avoided as the horse itself may have been fed on something that had been grown with the aid of an animal or chemical byproduct. A tad extreme, he says. It does raise the question of how far to go with these things. Can vegans confidently buy their veg from the usual supermarkets and greengrocers? Or will it be a choice between grow your own or a diet of just lightly braised water uh, possibly <laughs> he also says uh, your correspondent was correct regarding the cover of the arctic monkeys uh, first album the guy is called chris mcclure who was indeed one of the band's mates and was even interviewed on telly following the album's unexpected success and uh, aaron smith says i just want to say how much i enjoy your put- podcast put- <laughs> We should, we should You're do, right. We should do a podcast. I'm a bit tired, Ruth. We should do a podcast about uh, puddings, and we'd call it a podcast. I don't think anyone's doing that, are they? I don't think so. You've got to wonder, though. If no-one's doing it, why? Correct. Um, it's great to hear opinions from different generations uh, discussed between father and daughter. I'm also a father to a 13-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old son who's also taking A-level history. He says, I think your podcast is something you'll both look back on with great fondness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he says, it's inspired me to pursue similar chats with my daughter. I'll let you know when I get past how was school today. Yeah, okay. Now, if you want to get in touch with us on uh, email, you can. The address is martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. That's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. We'll take a short break and then we'll uh, play a wee bit of music. We'll start with yours this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Khalid, tell me, uh, should, should we just hear it and then you can tell me about it? Yeah, it's a song called Talk. Just talk, can we just talk, talk about where we're coming Before we get lost, let me out first Can't get what we do without home I've never felt like this before I apologize if I'm moving too far Very nice, that's uh, Khalid and talk Khalid Khalid 
Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, tell me about it. Um, so it's a song called, yeah, called Talk. It's one of his more popular songs, but he also has a song with Billie Eilish, which is really popular. Like, he's probably his most famous. No, maybe... And what's he... he, he I don't remember. So he is... Um, well, he's kind of from America, but he's kind of not. He's really popular at the moment. For the month... His monthly listeners were 49,609,167. That's second in the world for monthly listeners. And how do you say that he's from uh, America but kind of not from okay, America? Okay, so he um, was raised by his mother, just his mum, I think. I don't, th- I don't think his dad was in the picture. Um, she was um, she was in the military, so he like moved around a lot. He was originally from Fort Stewart in Georgia, but he also lived in... Like, um, military park thing is mm-hmm. um, in Kentucky in New York but also in Heidelberg in Germany and then his mum was transferred to Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas and that I think that's where he first well he'd always so been involved in music but that's where he really got into it and stuff right. and, and was he an answer in uh, Pointless? Khaled. Khaled was it did he do something about dumb some song? Oh Young Dumb and Broke. Young Dumb and Broke is that him? Yeah yeah, that's Khaled. Uh, but I can't call him... That, yeah, that'll be his most popular song. Never mind. Young, Dumb and Broke. Mm-hmm. There was a feature on one of the papers about uh, your friend Loyal Carner, who we have featured oh, on he's, this spot. This is the thing. That's what I really wanted, because all I've been listening to is his new album. And... Well, I read a feature about him. He's a very polite young man, apparently. Loyal Carner is the kind of man who gives hip-hop a bad name. The rapper from South London is impeccably polite, writes songs named after celebrity chefs, obviously that's Otolenghi, uh, and arrives at our interview at a members club in central London with a slice of cake for me. You don't get that with Dizzy Rascal. Uh, I'm going to feature something today from Carmen Miranda. Are you familiar with Carmen yeah, Miranda? Yeah, with the fruit. With the fruit, good. Shall we hear it? Yes, well, you know Carmen Miranda then for the uh, fruit. Uh, have you have you seen her in anything? Or have you seen pe- mm, I don't think so. I've seen loads of pictures of her, but I don't think I've ever seen mm. her in anything. It's amazing how she's still famous for the fruit. She used to wear a hat. It's just fancy dress, isn't it? Well, it was really. It was well. It was, it was no, but I mean, people do it for fancy dress. Oh, people dress up as Carmen Miranda for fancy R- dress. Yeah, right. Um, she was born Maria del Carmo Miranda da Cunha, February the ninth, nineteen oh nine. Wow. Yeah. That's over a so, hundred years ago. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so you're picking up on the maths now. Uh, so February 9th, 1909, and died August the 5th, 1955. So we shouldn't have a long life, really. Uh, shouldn't have a long life at all. Uh, Portuguese-born Brazilian samba singer uh, and dancer, but mostly popular in uh, Hollywood movies between 1940 and the mid-1950s. And that song was featured in the Woody Allen film Radio Days, which I've not you, seen that one. No, that's one definitely to watch. It's brilliant. It's Woody Allen's memoir of growing up in uh, Coney Beach in the... Uh, Coney As opposed Beach. to his other films, which are really wildly away from his own personal experiences. Correct. And, well, some of them are. Vicky, Christina, Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, Blue Jasmine. Yeah. A lot of films he's made that have nothing to do with himself. But his first... Uh, 
about a dozen films were. It's also a film about Woody Allen's child. A very good film. Enjoyed it. So Greta Thunberg, mm. you've heard of her. I have. She was the young Swedish girl, Danish Swedish girl, who spoke to the people from Extinction Rebellion and spoke to a few MPs, I think she had as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, she spoke to, it was the speech to MPs, but it was to inspire climate activists. So Extinction Rebellion especially, but also like just across the world and whatever. But she's faced, obviously, a lot of backlash from old people being like, shut up, you're just a kid. She's 16. Um, 16? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 16. Although she looks like eight anyway uh, she's 16 uh, but she's and she spoke about uh, climate change however which is obviously a really hot topic mm. i was just wondering does it annoy you when young people no not at all speaking for MPs and that kind of stuff not at all i'm um I, I, otherwise i wouldn't be giving you this great outlet on the uh, on the I, podcast i love how you say giving me this outlet <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> Um, enabling you to give your view, such as you have it, to the uh, to the world. Um, no, I think uh, I think especially on on climate change, I think it's, a, it's not talked about enough. And even if people do ridicule her, I think the fact that you know she gets the subject talked about. And as same with the Extinction Rebellion people. I mean, clearly, I wasn't delayed because I wasn't trying to drive my car around uh, London when they were blocking up Oxford mm. Circus and uh, Waterloo Bridge. I walked over Waterloo Bridge, and it was fun. It was very hippie-ish because it was lovely warm day there was mm. a band there playing um graceland the paul simon song nice song passable version of it uh, people dancing about people handing me leaflets but you, you hear so so much of the dialogue from extinction rebellion is so apocalyptic you think to yourself well is there much point in my not making that car journey you know you have little yeah. car journeys that you make which are probably not necessary but, you know. I, I, but I think one of the extinction rebellion's things is like yeah, it's great if you can use less plastic and you can take less and use the bus and whatever. Like, that is really good. But what their, I think what their thing was was these big corporations are the ones that are causing the real issues, especially with ocean stuff. Ocean stuff. Yeah, the old ocean stuff. No, so, especially I mean, with... Has um, she got much criticism? Because I've not seen yeah, it. Yeah, I think deal. so. You know, yeah, lo- like on Twitter and stuff, loads. Has she? I've not seen any of that at all. See, and really? you talk about the echo chamber, and if you're talking about the echo chamber, most of my, or a lot of my Twitter dialogue is with, you know, Tottenham Hotspur fan 52 or whatever. So, uh, you know, you would have thought that it would crop up on mine, but I thought most people were more or less in support of her. I think a lot of the stick that she's been facing as well is, well, actually not her, but MPs have been saying that they never listen to their own constituents and they're not listening to people about knife crime, but a 16-year-old Swedish girl gets her gets the floor in front of all the MPs. Oh, people are saying that. Yeah, well, I can see, I see why they would get annoyed about that. Has she got Asperger's just as well? I have no idea. Well, was somebody, did somebody say that? Yeah, that's just so. what people are saying. Ah, right. No, I didn't know. Well, people, that, that is the thing these days. People look at anybody on the TV, like some of these people in University Challenge, and immediately say, oh, he's on the spectrum. Yeah, he's cheering <laughs> it. <laughs> Although, if you watch the University Challenge final, mm. um, that Leah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> 
Uh, let's talk about university admission at the moment and the the amount of plagiarism that uh, people do with their personal statements. It's almost like we were saying earlier on about people saying, uh, you know, especially at American uh, graduation ceremonies, saying uh, they're coming out with inspiring quotes and all that sort of stuff. Well, people are now stealing these quotes to uh, apply for for university places, you know, on the personal statement that they make. Mm-hmm. And apparently, uh, if you're going for a fashion degree about five or six people will put on their thing well fashion you see five or six out of what out of every 10 will put on their um, personal statement um yes my view is fashion is not simply a matter of clothes fashion is in the air born upon the wind which uh apparently is a quote from somebody that's that's if you go on uh, one of these that's a chanel quote it's Chanel, is it? Yes, it's Coco. Chanel, I think one of the other quotes is, oh, I do love Hitler. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, but people, personal statements in which students write about their achievements and why they're applying to a particular course uh, have emerged as one of the key ways students are cheating to get into a UK university. Last year, 4,559 suspect personal statements were detected by UCAS, the admissions service. Uh, UCAS uses software called Copycatch, to spot plagiarism. In its first year, it tripped up 800 medical uh, applicants who lifted text from the same website. Of those, 234 used the same anecdote. Ever since I accidentally burnt holes in my pyjamas after experimenting with a chemistry set on my eighth birthday, I have had a passion for science. (laughs) We're Uh, told, like, you get really... We have to go to like loads of class about writing personal statements, whatever, in our tutor group things. And we get told so many times not to steal stuff off websites and that people get caught. And so I think actually now you wouldn't get that no, anymore because you you're told against, you're warned against it so much. But some, and there was a girl who had like her cousin from another college like send her personal statement or whatever and got caught out for it and there's always stories like that but we're told never don't use quotes well another popular lie for these admission states i presume it's for people who are doing some sort of medical degree another popular lie was living with my 100 year old grandfather has allowed me to appreciate the frailties of the human body (laughs) (laughs) it's not even a good one yeah uh claire marchant ucas chief executive echoes your advice ruth she says our advice is clear don't be tempted to buy or copy a personal statement yeah people but then that's the thing you can get someone to write you one for like 50 pounds or whatever Mm. and then they'll write you one completely new based on the information that you've given them or whatever and then that won't be well it says here if it's flagged as being similar to others or doesn't appear genuine it could affect your chances of being offered a place Mm. so you'd probably still get caught because well it depends if they're selling more than one then yeah precisely they're not going to make much of a living if they're only selling one you're going to be exclusively doing your personal statements so uh so just watch it. Do you when you uh, when you're writing essays and things? It's difficult though, isn't it? When you're yeah. looking at websites, not to to, uh, to accidentally do it. Yeah, there was a girl who, in her when we were doing coursework, because obviously your essays, your ones you do for your actual exams, it doesn't matter how much you plagiarise because you're in the exam, so you've just remembered it. it. Doesn't really matter. But the coursework, they run it through plagiarism catchers, and there was a girl in the first draft who had like a whole big chunk out of hers had been plagiarised, but it was only because she'd read the website and made notes on the website oh. and then copied her notes up into her essay. But she was like, do you know what I mean? Which is an honest like. 
Yeah, very it's easy a, to do. Well, it's, it's very easy to do. I'm I'm a little bit concerned about this. Yes, I am. I'm a little bit concerned about. <laughs> He's a little bit concerned. I'm a little bit concerned about this this stress on plagiarism because yeah where does plagiarism stop and using source material start well i guess you can you can footnote everything i wrote a whole book which i uh, he wrote a whole book well i've written two whole books he's written two whole books but i wrote a whole book about the history of sport on tv uh, in which i I used yes in which i uh used lots of uh, source material i used loads of other uh, other books and didn't directly plagiarize but obviously some of the some of the stuff in the, he just changed some like butts to howevers and stuff like that <laughs> not impressed not impressed Ruth um, I wrote a whole book about the history of sport I'm not going to be bothered saying it now but what? It, the point is I used loads of source material and you occasionally read stuff in another book and think wow that guy's got it spot on and yeah. therefore you will but if he's got it spot on it's nothing can be totally original you can't write but also the piece. longer that we live in the world precisely the more the, stuff the less is. original thoughts there are yeah. although I read an interesting fact the Excuse other day me. The fewer original thoughts there are. No, you can have less of a thought. You have less of a thought, but you're talking about thoughts. The longer we live in the world, the fewer original thoughts there are, not the less original thoughts. You could say the less original thoughts are becoming. Thoughts are becoming less original. That's fine. But, but can't you have less of one thought? Yes, you can have less than one thought, but you have the fewer original thoughts. No, the less, the less of an original... Like, you can take part of a thought there. Yes, you can. If you were doing that, you could say the less original thoughts are these days. You couldn't say the less original thoughts there are, the fewer original thoughts there are. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I've lost my train of thought now, and well, that's there it. there you go. No, I was going to say that... Um, there's more stuff there. There's more stuff there. Yeah. So the less things you can think Um, but I also saw a really uh, interesting like fact thing that was like the English language is so unique that most people will speak a sentence in the day that is completely unsaid before really? Mm -hmm. can you believe that? when you say so unique you can't have degrees of uniqueness so if something is unique it is one but the English language is so unusual so peculiar so original so Oh, I'm seriously going to bang your head into a wall. I was trying to find the exact fact for you. You should follow what the what the F facts. This is on Twitter. This is one of their facts. Is Our memories can be so easily manipulated that in just three hours you can be convinced you committed a crime in your teenage years, a research found. And that doesn't surprise me. Really? Bit. That does not surprise me one little bit. You know my thoughts on memory. We've uh, mentioned it before that you remember the memory. You remember, uh, you remember the remembering. You remember the remembering. That's scary though, isn't it? You've been watching uh, Game of Thrones. You've been of watching, course. You've been watching two episodes in. Yes. So, how is the new series of Game? Because this is season nine and eight, it's eight, and it's the last one. It's the last season. Um, I'm enjoying it, to be honest. Uh, I thought the f- the first episode was a lot of exposition, but you can't blame them for that. Like I heard a lot of people being like, "There's no- nothing happened," but you're like, "Well, you know, 
give them chance they've got to put all their the pieces in order they've got to bring everyone together they i think they needed that episode and then the last 20 minutes of the first episode was really exciting and like stuff happened um, and then and there was lots of dragon riding and stuff which i always enjoy and then the second episode um the again the first 20 minutes was not as great and whatever and again still nothing is like loads of stuff hasn't happened yet but it's because they need there was a lot of conversations that needed to happen to like tie up the ends of stories and whatever mm-hmm. but i think it's been great i think they're doing a really good good job on it with what especially with what they've been given and how George R. R. Mine hasn't finished the books and mm. they're doing their best it's about uh, the Wars of the Roses you know I already know that I told you that well there's just so few original thoughts around uh, so, and you've also been watching... it's also like almost the exact same as The Lord of the Rings <laughs> Is it? Well, it's pretty similar. And there's I some people so who say... Popular. I mean, is it easier to follow than The Lord of the Rings? Is that? I mean, The Lord like of the Rings it? is pretty popular. It's, I think it's probably better than The Lord of the Rings because it's not so much about, like... It's a bit less geeky, I guess, mm. than Lord of the Rings, maybe. And what's the best thing on TV at the moment? Obviously, Gogglebox. Gogglebox is always so good. Gogglebox is brilliant. I don't watch it, like, religiously, but whenever I do watch it, it's really great. Yeah. It's well, not so about it's... TV. It's about love. It's about love, uh, Gogglebox. And so you do wonder at some of the relationships. and you know, Just well, how they spe- met and whatever. Yeah, specifically, I'd like to have the backstory of the couple in the static caravan in uh, Hull. Yeah. Uh, they do seem... I mean, he's obviously gay, and she's a sort of older what? woman. <laughs> and she's a sort of older woman. It does make you... Uh, yeah, you question how they all met and stuff. Yeah. But isn't that... Because it's, it's nice because there's other. so they seem many... They like each other so much, yeah. this couple, you know. But that's why it's so good, is because there's so many relationships that aren't, like, traditional parents, children, or mm. husbands, wives, whatever. It's not a relationship where it's like... Uh, oh, it's her boyfriend and he, and then her best friend, and they're yeah. all just friends. And like, there's loads of relationships where they're not traditional, and, and it's re- great. And my friend uh, Ali Ross, who's the TV critic in the Sun, hmm. uh, reckons that Channel Four are now making programmes specifically so they can be talked about on Gogglebox. Specifically, the programme called Naked Beach. I don't know whether you read about. It. I, mm-hmm. I saw one last week, and you watched the actual episode. Not all of it. I watched about half an hour of it. I missed the. Uh, apparently, I missed the. Good bit at the end when she takes all her clothes off one of this it's a, a fat woman from leeds actually and she takes not difficult to find and she takes Dad, all her, and you you're gonna say i could see it in your eyes and you were deciding i could see the little cog, cogs going around thinking oh should i make a joke about fat people i'll go on i will yeah so the, the it's four people who have body image problems so they dress it up as a sort of psychology thing mm. and they go to a, a greek um sort of luxury place rather like those places they go to in x factor when they get to the final you know judges houses judges houses yeah so they go to a greek equivalent of a judge's house mm. uh, it's got a swimming pool and all that sort of stuff i understand yeah uh, I can picture it just about. So they go there, and the people there are, are naked. They've got sort of body paint, paint on, and they're wearing uh, pants. You know, they're wearing. Uh, <laughs> Dad, you'd have to explain pants to they're me. Wearing briefs is what I mean. Right. Sort of bikini bottoms, that sort of thing. And uh, they go there, and, the, and it's to try and cure these people. So they have a psychologist just to make it dress it up a bit. So they have a psychologist, and the idea is they're going to cure these people of their uh, body image problems. Right. Right. And by the end of the hour, they will be fully naked. They'll take all their clothes off, which will uh, show that they're no longer 
crippled by this uh, body image problem. Uh, but I missed, I didn't see them take all the clothes off at the end. So I missed, apparently, the, the uh, woman from uh, Leeds uh, was crying and it was like a joyous moment Aww. because that's the thing about these, that's how they try and, yes. that's the story arc, isn't it, really? But as well as the story arc... That's have, a bit like that um, programme one year later or whatever it's called. It's I can't like, remember what it's called. It's you know like what I mean, lots, don't you? Lots and lots of programmes. It's like, you know virtually every television program these days uh, apart from Game of Thrones it's going to be over soon Yeah, five, five, I think five more episodes or four more episodes mm. five, anyway, this woman was crying at the end but you can imagine That's nice. Yes, you can. Imagine. Not nice that she's crying. Nice that she's well, it's, 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 got over her. Tears of joy. Tears of joy. But what you really wanted to see was, and let's be honest, there is the element of a freak show in all these things. Oh my and god! Were, yeah. yeah, Barnum started all this. Absolutely. Might as well be a yeah bearded lady or a black person doing the trapeze. You're spot on. It might as well be that. But you can imagine that's that's the thing. You've got a question with these shows. Like it's good if it if it is truly that people are watching it with an open mind and it's about giving well, people not, no but it's not but if, if it was and that was what it was actually about but it's not it's a bunch of people sitting at home laughing about fat people taking their clothes off do you know what we should have done in the in the sound check? Well, I should have told that Jim Jeffries joke. You know what? We can we can ruin the movie magic, and you can just say it now if you want. Yeah, he says Kevin Spacey. He's been taken down, and uh, and rightly so. You know, he's done some bad things. He's been sacked from uh, Netflix, and now he's lost his job as a fake president. Meanwhile, the real president. <laughs> no, he's good. He's such a he's very so good, clever. Jim Jeffries. That's it for this week, then. Do you think? Do you want me to do um, a meme? Oh, well, let's have uh, a meme of the week before we go. Are you going into another room to do the meme of the week? <laughs> no, he's just picking up my phone. How much to hire a church singing group? You mean a choir? Fine. How much to acquire a church singing group? <laughs> That's very good. Isn't that good? That's excellent. If you want to get in touch with us, you can um, to email. It's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to listen to the songs in full from this week and also all the other songs, then just go over to the Spotify playlist and type in either Martin and Ruth or Ruthie, me and my dad, and either of those will take you to the playlist on Spotify. <laughs>